offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hello, I'm Michael Martell, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Sabbath School University. I'd also like to introduce to you some of our panelists today. <laughs> Ashley. Shauna. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. And I'd ask if Jeffrey, would you have opening prayer for us? Sure, I'd love thank to. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Lord, thank you uh, for bringing us here and giving us the opportunity to learn more about what you have to tell us. And as we go into your word, uh, may we get the wisdom and understanding from above so that we can uh, learn you and love you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Our lesson, as you've studied, is talking about how the ministry began. The ministry of who? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ, that's right. And so um, as, we, as we looked at lesson two, and we talked about how the ministry begins, the intro of this lesson kind of talks about how we get a better understanding of the meaning of life, right? And so sometimes we have to think about, okay, how do I understand life better? What is, it, what is, life, what is my life's purpose? And, and what examples do we have to live by? So when we look at the ministry of how Christ's ministry was and how it began, what, what sort of things can we draw from that experience? Well, first of all, uh, I felt like when he first, it's the baptism, and it talks about how uh, you know, John was preparing the way. So first, John introduces the fact that um, Jesus is first coming to minister, and mm. then he follows up with the second coming of Christ. So I think there's a you know, common theme of why Jesus came, you know, was to minister to us and take away our sins. That's right. Yeah, and I think when we think about the purpose of life, you know, uh, this is like one of the questions that's been bothering people like throughout history. Like, why are we here? You know, what is our purpose here? Uh, do we just die and then that's it? But <clears throat> as Christians, we have this hope that we are not just here and then we die and then that's it. You know, we have uh, a Savior who has died for us. Mm -hmm and he has a plan for us to spend eternity with him. And so our journey here on earth, it doesn't end, you know, when we die and we're just not, we just don't go to work and school and study and then, you know, get money and be healthy and then that's it. But, you know, we have um, a bigger purpose in each one of us and that's to, um, you know, minister to people and tell them the truth that, you know, Jesus loves you and he, there is a living God who we all serve and he is wanting all of us to spend eternity with him. Uh, so I think as Christians, we have this, this we have the answer to that question uh, in a way because, uh, you know, we know that the journey doesn't end here on earth. That's right. When we, when we look further into this, um, maybe we can start out by reading Matthew 3, verses uh, 7 through 12, if you have it. Can you? Okay. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Okay, so when we read this, it's pretty heavy, yes? Very heavy. <laughs> and, and so when we think about the ministry and, and how it began, this is the foretelling of what is to come, the, this, this Christ that will be coming soon. And this is his purpose. He's going to be separating the wheat from the tears. And, and what, what's left behind is the chaff. That's what's going to get destroyed uh, in an unquenchable fire, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the purpose of life, and how to mold our life after an example. And we see the picture that's painted uh, of who Jesus is and what his purpose will be when he comes to earth. You know, what, what, are we, what are we really understanding here through, through what Matthew is telling us? Well, like for me, I feel like the way John the Baptist presents it, it's kind of like, he's like brood of vipers, you know, mm -hmm. I would be kind of scared, like, who's this person that's <laughs> supposed to come, you know, but um, I feel like, uh, I know in, somewhere in Desire of Ages, it talks about how ministers and people, like, you have to be really, like, heavy and, like, forceful, like how John the Baptist was, so that it pierces through people's hearts and they get convicted, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they come and they're like, Oh, so how, what can I do to be saved so I can like stay? Whereas, you know, you shouldn't be like flattering people saying, oh, it's okay if you do this and that. So, so, so also with that heaviness, I think there comes a hope, right? Yeah. So it's um, when you read about what John is preaching and the foretelling of what Christ's ministry will be, knowing that there is a clear message of a cleansing, what hope is available, okay? So in that, in that, in that, in those verses, he talks about the cleansing, but there's also a hope that you will be a part of that wheat that is selected. Mm -hmm. That's true. And what do you have to do to be a part of that wheat? Repent. Repentance. Yeah. And a full repentance, yes? Yes. Yeah. He says, um, John says, yeah, as you were saying, you know, there's, he calls them brood of vipers and he, it's, you know, it's pretty harsh what he says, but there is hope at the end. And uh, he says, if you repent, um, you know, and accept uh, the forgiveness that God is willing to give you and put away your sins and become a better person and change your ways, then, you know, you will, uh, you will have the chance to be a part of that chosen wheat yeah. <laughs> and go to heaven. And I like how, how it says it's with repentance and with the acceptance of this truth, you will bear proper fruits and be saved from the remaining chaff that will be consumed with unquenchable fire. Yeah. So even though there's this heavy message that comes with it, and I, and I agree, th there has to be a depth that, that people are presented with so that they understand the, the, the strength of the message. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about Christ's ministry is that even though it's a strong message, there's a hope that comes with clear instructions on how to obtain uh, or how to how to accept the gift of salvation. True, mm -hmm. and I think um, I like the idea that he was talking about, oh, don't say that your father is Abraham. So it makes it accessible to those 
whose lineage wasn't of mm -hmm. Abraham. So I think that this hope is sort of for everybody. It's not because of where I come from or the laws that I've kept since I was born and something like, I don't know, like a reputation type of thing. Right. It's something that no matter where I came from or what I have done, as long as I am repenting and accepting Christ, this is something that's available to me. Right. And I, I kind of like how the, the phrasing of that scripture is, he's like, well, I can raise, I can raise children <laughs> <laughs> from the stones, you know? It's, it's really not about who you say you're affiliated with. It's about how you're living. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's about the fruit that you're bearing. Right. And so that message of, of Christ's ministry repentance uh, and, and bringing hope and, and touching the lives of others through the way he lived. I mean, I think this is the model that we can use to answer the question, what is the purpose of life? What is, the, what is, what is my life's meaning? Exactly. Um, when, we, when we look a little further, if, if, if you can read Isaiah uh, 14, 12 through 14. Isaiah 14. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe someone can get uh, Philippians 2, mm -hmm. 5 through 8 ready. Okay. Okay. And 12, I'm sorry. 14, 12 through 14. Okay. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Mm -hmm. And then flip. So, okay, let's just break that down a little yeah. bit. In <laughs> Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, we're hearing who's speaking? Lucifer. And what is Lucifer telling us? What is he making sure we all know? That he's going to be like the most high. He wants to be equal yeah. with God. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He's the best. He's going to make, he's, <laughs> he's letting us know. Yes. You know, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be like the most high. Mm -hmm. And there's a pompous stance that comes with this, this statement. Yes. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about it more in a second, but we're just, we're first trying to characterize what Lucifer or Satan has perceived his character to be, or what he is hoping it will be. So let's, let's read Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Hmm. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Mm. Okay, so let's compare and contrast here. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, whom we understand to be the Son of God, mm -hmm. the actual Son of God, mm -hmm. characterizes himself how? As a servant. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't find equality with God something that he grasped for. He already had it. Mm -hmm. And um, as opposed to Lucifer, who was created, mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to be yeah. up there. It was sort of very prideful, right. and he didn't actually have that. He didn't have, that wasn't founded on anything. Right. But like, how can you compete with yourself, right? <laughs> so for, for Jesus, he doesn't have to aspire to be like the most high. Yes, he is the most high. He's the most high. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, I think there's a, there's a settling feeling that comes with knowing you're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now with this with this um, 
with this clear understanding of where true power lies and, and true deity lies, mm -hmm. I can then use that to help others. I can humble myself with, with, um, with clear understanding without any, without any what's, the, what's the best word to find it? There's no insecurities that come with having to humble yourself when you already are sure of who you are. And so when we talk about the wilderness, mm -hmm. when Jesus was sent uh, 40 days and 40 nights and then he went into the wilderness, right? Satan mm -hmm. is now there to tempt him, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. what, what sort of things can we draw from, from what that interaction might have looked like? Because just, just to throw this in there, I'd imagine Satan picturing Jesus Christ previously mm -hmm. on the throne, mm -hmm. you know, in charge of the, the hosts, the heavenly hosts, and now he's in this human fragile state, mm -hmm. okay, and, and, and given what he's ex described in Isaiah 4, 12, 14, you know, he's going to, his hope is that he will reach a certain status, and this is his opportunity. Mm -hmm. what, what, are we, what are we drawing from that? Well, um, it's not quite off topic, but I think this is sort of what Satan does mm -hmm. um, in our lives. He will take us at our weakest moments mm -hmm. and try to set himself up as Lord of our lives. Mm -hmm. He'll probably offer us of status and, you know, sort of what he did, things to build up our own pride or something we can build ourselves up within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately that leads to our own destruction and is what's leading Satan to his own destruction is that he thinks that he could do it himself. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that's what he tried with Jesus. He's like, I'm going to get him now that he's in this weakened state because he's not the warrior that we were fighting up against in heaven. Mm -hmm. He's human now. I've got, I, I can make him bow down to me and then I will be like the most high. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, going back to even the purpose of life, when we start chasing all of these things that build ourselves up, mm -hmm. that's, and then we still feel empty, that's because we're filling ourselves with the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Christ himself came in as, as a servant. He was humble and he just came for the purpose of saving us, um, his creation. And I think in our lives, if we come as servants in, in a way with the gospel, um, that gives us purpose instead of just acquiring stuff. Right. When you look at the, you know, what happens in the wilderness um, going on with the lesson, uh, you know, Satan to him, Jesus was whom he basically fought against, right, in heaven. And now Jesus is Jesus in the wilderness alone as a human. And as you were saying, Satan is thinking this is the perfect opportunity for me to um, get him because of what, uh, you know, because he was kicked out of heaven. This is the best time to get his revenge. And he does, right? He, t he tries to tempt Jesus. But how does Jesus, you know, how does he resist the temptation that, that, that Satan, you know, offers him? Because he, he gives him three different kinds, right? right. And... and each time Jesus, he just quotes scripture and he like has a comeback each time for the temptation Satan is offering him. Mm -hmm. And once Jesus quotes scripture, Satan doesn't keep tr going on with the same temptation. Okay. He tries, he's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't 
tempt him with the same thing anymore. He's strong in what he believes. Mm -hmm. And if I keep doing this, he will, you know, I can't tempt him anymore. But now he has to go to something else. Mm -hmm. And he has to try it three times before he basically gives up and says, you know, I can't. So in, in terms of our lives, right, practically, how can we apply this um, if we are, uh, you know, in a way, um, put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, if we're not in a wilderness per se, but if we're alone, right? And, you know, sometimes we sin when we're alone or most of the time when we're alone, when no one's watching, right? So how do we, you know, use the example that of Jesus in our alone times and when we're tempted to fight away this temptation and to not yield to it? So that's just a question I have. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So I see it like, so Jesus knows us like inside out and so does Satan. Like he knows us inside out. So for Jesus, you know, he's first using something as simple as food to tempt him. And then he's the whole time he's just trying to take Jesus away from like the cross. Um, so for me, it's like Satan's not going to try to tempt me with something that I won't probably get tempted with because he knows me. So in that time, like Jeffrey was saying, I think scripture is really important because I know for me, waking up in the morning and reading scripture, mm -hmm. sleep is from <laughs> my temptation. You know, I just yeah. want to sleep and mm -hmm. be like, oh, okay, you know, I'll just read the Bible later. Yeah. But um, but it, scripture is the only way because, mm -hmm. you know, the word was God, was with God. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the only way that we can overcome our temptations. Mm -hmm. And also, I think the way that Jesus responds also sort of speaks to his relationship with God. He, you can tell that he knows, like, look, what you're offering me, this sort of goes against everything mm. I know about my father. And you can't trick me. I know my father. Um, so I kind of think about it like when Satan tries to tempt us that you said when we are alone, those are the moments, but I think Christ just had this sense of, like, I'm not really alone. My Father is here with me. Right. So. And I think we have that hope as well, right? God is with us, and we, we can even turn to this, um, this passage in Scripture, James uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Um, if someone can read that, James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Oh. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right, so the first part of that just says, you know, if you resist the devil, the devil will run away. He will flee from you. And if you draw near to God, uh, God will draw near to you. Right, and what you were saying, you know, Jesus was close to God. He was so um, in such a a close relationship with God that he, nothing could, um, you know, waver his, his faith and his, uh, you know, yielding to temptation. Um, we don't have to turn to this, but 1 Corinthians 10, 13 also says, talks about how God will not allow us to be tempted of, like, more than we can bear. Mm -hmm. um, he, we can come out of the temptations we are faced with. And, you know, we have the tools that God has given us. We have the word, like Jesus used scripture mm -hmm. against. And, you know, the devil will flee from, from you know, scripture. But it's, you know, it's hard sometimes. We're humans, right? Uh, and when you, when you mention temptation, mm -hmm. it, uh, one of the questions that I've, I've always had when thinking about Jesus in the wilderness was, 
you know, we understand that when Jesus came to earth, he was fully human, yet fully deity. So you kind of say, well, there's an advantage that regular humans don't have. How, how can we actually uh, hope to overcome the same temptations the same way? Well, one of the answers that I've, I've, I've come to understand is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because I feel the gift of the Holy Spirit is that, that direct line mm -hmm. of connection to, to God mm -hmm. that, will, that will give us that strength. And the, it's not enough to just say, okay, I can interact with the Holy Spirit and then my temptation will go away. No, there, there is a development of that relationship that needs to, be, that needs to take place in order for that connection to, to, to work the way it should work. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we talk about the temptation in the wilderness, yes, there were some snappy comebacks that Jesus had in some, <laughs> some scripture that kind of, you know, set Satan straight. But I think he was invoking his, his spiritual nature, which was through the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily through the deity that he was, but through the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. that is available to us as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like what you were just saying, I feel like you need that, um, the refiner's fire. So uh, personally, I know people before you start doing something for God, ministry, or even here at Sabbath School mm -hmm. University, you know, you're doing something for God, but before you do it, you have to walk through the wilderness. You know, there's a refining process, a training process for everything, just like how, what Jesus said. As we're moving forward, when we look about in the lesson about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, mm. why, why, why did Jesus go there? Why did he settle there in these darkened lands? Is this just going to speak more towards the whole point of his ministry? They talk about these lands being the regions where they had given up their faith. They had given up on who God was to them. And this is where Jesus chose to settle, yeah. okay? And, and the, I think this just speaks to the character of, who, of Christ um, and the purpose of his ministry. And so when we, when we have to think about where we're going to make a difference, how we're going to make a difference, it's not necessarily always going to be in our comfort zones. It's true. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So, um, again, like, I guess that kind of speaks to... Um, sort of Christ's relationship with us. I mean, there's, in Romans, it says that, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. So I think that even in our lives, when we're in places where we think that we're just hopeless, mm -hmm. those are the places that God and the Holy Spirit will come in and just try to refine everything mm -hmm. and just fix everything. Those places that we find that we're, we think we're untouchable, those are the exact places where God can just come in and just change everything. Right. And that's what he did in his ministry on a larger scale and an individual scale. Right, so since it's, you, you'd almost have to ask yourself, how effective can I be in a place where everyone is already aware of the gospel, is already <laughs> aware of how to live? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't mean that we, we, we don't have an, a focus there. It just means what is your greatest, what is your greatest impact going to be? Exactly. That's the mm -hmm. question. Also, that's true. And also the, recep the reception of the message with people who already know, it, right. it can almost become an intellectual conversation. Right. For those who don't know, this is something new, this is something great. Like, oh, my goodness, I thought that this was something that... Um, 
uh, I was never going to overcome. But here comes this this message of the gospel, um, saying that I can overcome it through grace, through faith, through this Christ who loves me so much. I thought I was unlovable, or whatever people feel in uh, Christ was it will be right there, and our ministry can be right there to those people who really thought they they had no connection to that. Do we, um, you know, when you talk about um, Jesus going to a place where uh, the people weren't really, you know, faithful, you know, to God or, or, or um, believed in God and they were doing all, all sorts of things. So what does that say about us? Do we as, as Christians who do have, um, you know, we know uh, the true God and we were surrounded, you know, by people who are similar to us, do we have to go um, like Jesus did to places um and I'm sure other people did too, to places where people are not, you know, they're not faithful to God and they're not, they don't know about God or they're, you know, completely far away from God. So do we have to make an effort and go out of our way to, to these places or? I think we should. Yeah, because we should. sometimes we, we're just, we just go through the motions of life every week, you know, and then we, you know, we're surrounded by our church family, our friends who are, you know, similar to us. So, you know, I've, I feel like we should make an effort to do this, uh, to go to, um, you know, places where they're not, um, they don't know about God or they're not faithful to God. And help. I also like, um, in, at least in Thursday's uh, section, mm -hmm. the call of the fishermen, they bring out the point, you know, the fishermen in this society they necessarily didn't have, they didn't necessarily have the highest uh, intellect, okay? Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't, even if they believed in God, they wouldn't have been so indoctrinated in their particular stance in the faith where they couldn't be receptive to a new presentation of who Christ was and, and what it meant to live like Christ. And I think this is why they they were effective as disciples. Uh, does it mean that you go and you know pray on people who don't really have a, a specific belief? No. It means that when you are look when you when you are in touch with people who are willing to learn, who are willing to to uh, develop their faith, these are going to be effective individuals as well that will help uh, you know further that message once they truly have a, a better understanding. Um, so. You know, when we talk about this lesson and we talk about the ministry of Christ and we talk about the purpose of life and we talk about how we can find a better meaning in life, I think we've touched on some pretty powerful things mm -hmm. here. We've touched on how Christ lived, his purpose, mm -hmm. the way he went about uh, uh, showing his purpose to others, and then even in the deepest temptations, mm -hmm. how he was able to overcome those situations. So if we had to give our final takeaway in one sentence, what would it be? Um, I think that our purpose in life doesn't necessarily originate in us. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Word of God is our only hope through anything and everything. I think that God will draw near to us as long as we draw near to Him and we can flee. The devil will flee from us from temptation. That's right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. Well. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this session of Sabbath School University.